Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today. Sandra Beck is away, but she'll be back here next week. Today, we have Liz O'Haran, our guest uh, from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Their mission is to invest in military veterans and their spouses through academic scholarships, building a diverse community of leaders committed to service to others. We'll learn a lot more about the Pat Tillman Foundation and Liz's experiences as a Tillman Scholar and now as their program director in just a moment. But first, I just had a few things I wanted to share with you some things that um, I came across this week. Um, If you have not heard about Spouse Box, the new snail mail subscription service for military spouses by a military spouse pair, you may want to check this out. Spouse Box was launched actually last year, and it's the first monthly subscription box for military spouses by military spouses Adriana, the proprietist of Next Gen Mill Spouse, and Crystal, who is the mastermind behind Army Wife 101, and I know a lot of you follow that. Together they run MSB New Media. The ladies chose the products themselves, and many of them are supplied by businesses owned and operated by military spouses or veterans. So not only are they military spouses running a company aimed at the military, family, but they are running it in a way that supports other businesses and our communities. The boxes go on sale monthly and would land in your mailbox early the following month. And as I am reading, it is $24.99 plus $5 shipping. But if you are a subscriber, you pay the $24.99 and shipping is included. What a great gift for someone to give to a friend or a loved one who's a military spouse or a wonderful boost if you're relocating and hanging in there during a deployment and need just a little love for yourself. Now, the boxes contain an array of items that are just for you, from bakery items, cocoa and java beverages, totes or household items, coupons, resources, items from other military businesses, as I said, and small gifts and much more. All are carefully selected, something different every month, and a sure way to remind the recipient how much they're loved. Now, you do have to jump fast because I am reading that March is already sold out, so they're already working on April. So visit Adriana and Crystal soon and see if you can get on board with this uh, this great, great concept. Find more information at thespousebox.com. 
com and the backslash join will get you right to the subscription page. And I do want to acknowledge Amy at SpouseBuzz.com for this information. Also, I wanted to bring to your attention, you may already know this, but the National Resource Operation Military Kids, or more commonly known as OMK, will be ending on March 31st, 2015. Um, Now, they do have some suggested redirects, and I would suggest you go to their website, Operation Military Kids. Dot org for the list of these. But for example, for Army National Guard families, they're suggesting you get involved with your state child and youth programs um, and contact a child and youth coordinator near you uh, for these program offerings. So they really are trying to get uh, families to go a little more local as opposed to depending on them as a national resource. Now for Army Reserve families, OMK suggests you get your children involved with a command child youth and school service program they suggest you contact a command cyss specialist near you and they did give a website of www.arfp.org backslash cyss.php or for your family support and outreach center there is a phone number 866 345-8248. You can also visit the 4-H Military Partnership website at 4-HMilitaryPartnerships.org. So definitely build up on those local resources instead. Today, we are so fortunate to have Liz O'Haran from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Liz is their program director and handles the scholarship application process. And Liz can speak firsthand to the process as she is also a Tillman scholar. Liz, welcome to our show. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful to meet you. Uh, Liz, tell us a little bit. We'd like to start with uh, a little bit about you first. I understand you were scheduled to enlist in the National Guard on September 10th, 2001, but were asked to come back the very next day when you woke up on September 11th. You must have had some very heavy choices weighing on your heart. Yeah, that was, um, you know, timing is kind of a funny thing. I I never really planned on joining the military growing up, um, but during my senior year of high school, um, which was the summer of 2001 leading into the fall of 2001, um, I had a great friend who was a year older than me, and she had decided to do it. And so the military sort of became something that seemed viable as I learned Mm -hmm. more about it, learned about National Guard benefits and how it helped pay for school, and I'd be able to stay active in my community, it seemed like a really great decision. And so um, in August 2001, I, I was doing all the things that you have to do to get into the military, all the exams and physical fitness and testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and during the first couple of weeks of September, it just ended up that I was supposed to swear in right before September 11th. And then September 11th happened. Um, and <laughs> I had you know, gone in to swear in, and um, there's the delay, there's a little glitch. There was um, mm-hmm. the guy that was supposed to swear me in didn't show up, and so they said, you know, can you come back later this week? And I said, yep, no problem. I live 20 minutes from the base um, just outside of Madison, Wisconsin, and um, so I went home, and, and then it was September 11th, which really changed everything. Um, yeah. You know, the things they were saying that week, you know, we thought we were going into a world war in a lot of ways. Um, Absolutely. Um 
Yeah, but when I thought about, you know, I come from a family where my grandfather served in, in World War II as a Marine in the South Pacific mm. um, and saw a great deal of, of combat. And when I thought about what he did when Pearl Harbor happened, he ran down to his recruiting station and signed up right away. And so mm-hmm. when I thought about um, what September 11th might mean for our generation, I decided that was not the time to walk away and let someone else serve in my place. And so I swore in on September 13th, 2001, in the Wisconsin Air National Guard. Wow. Were there a lot of people feeling the same way as you did? I've known many people. In fact, my son-in-law um, enlisted in the Marines very similarly to your story. He was. Not, it wasn't that he had already begun his enlistment process, but knowing that our country was definitely in a very transitional pivot point. We, he, he was right there. So did you find a great line as you were swearing in? You know, it was interesting. Um, I ended up serving mostly with people that had enlisted before September 11th. Um, But since I've left the service, I've met, you know, tremendous amounts of people who have decided to serve because of September 11th, because they felt like, what they were doing in their in their lives at the time wasn't as meaningful as military service um, would be at the time. So I, I ended up meeting a lot of people who, you know, September 11th served as a, a catalyst towards service for them. But when I joined, I actually served mostly with people that had um, joined before September 11th and were serving for sort of other reasons. Wow. Yeah. Now, whereabouts did you serve? So I was based out of um, Madison, Wisconsin, which has um, a squadron of F-16 fighter jets. Um, mm-hmm. And I was actually going to school at the University of Wisconsin at the time. So I basically, some some weekends I ro- rode my bike around the lake to serve at the National Guard base. Um, it's a very traditional National Guard base in the sense that my service was one weekend a month and then mm-hmm. a couple weeks in the summer, a few other training deployments here and there. Um but then we, so we ended up getting activated and called to the Middle East. I ended up doing three short tours to the Middle East in 2004, 2006, 2008, and two of those were to Iraq. Oh, wow. So you certainly have seen quite a number of different, um, different things. Did you find, we've only got about two minutes before our break. Did you find it a challenge to be a woman or did you feel that there was no difference because you were a woman? I think, um, so my career field was a, a, a maintenance career field. So traditionally mm-hmm. not many, many women, even though the Air Force has more women, um, than other branches of the service, um, not many women serve in maintenance career fields. And so I, I was often in the vast minor, minority when, especially mm. when deployed. Um, and I think it was, it was a challenge, but I think almost more than anything, it was an opportunity to sort of, um, break down stereotypes around women in certain jobs and do basically the best job and bring the best attitude to that job that I could with what I was given in order to help sort of designatize women in those fields. Yeah, I can only imagine the physical challenge. Sometimes there's an, uh, there's an, a bit of physical strength that's required for, for what you must have done. So that just in and of itself may have, have been uh, something you felt you needed to overcome too. Yeah, there was definitely, I mean, there was physical standards required for the field that I was in. You know, you had to lift and be able to do certain amounts of things with certain amount of, of weight, and that was um, mm. sort of the benchmark. And then above and beyond, you carried your own your own weight. Mm. I know we uh, had a woman on not long ago who was a Huey uh, 
a Huey pilot. And she said, you know what, once I showed them what I could do, I was just one of the guys. And isn't that the way it should be? You're doing a job. You're not um, upholding uh, anything else but the the uh, integrity of that job. We're talking today with Liz O'Heron. She is a program director for the Pat Tillman Foundation. We are so excited to have her. We are going to learn a lot more about what a Tillman Scholar is and all about the Pat Tillman Foundation right after this break. Stay tuned. This is Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories? The people behind their masks? The truth about people's failures and redemptions? in both their business and personal lives. Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, Business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Help us sound. Put your name at the top of his list and a statue of liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today, actually from a sunny New England <laughs> day with real blue sky, real honest-to-goodness blue sky. We are trying to work on 48 hours straight hours, straight hours without snow. <laughs> and I know if anyone's on the East Coast or in the Northeast anywhere, you know just what I'm talking about. 
Today we're here with Liz O'Haran from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Liz, what part of the world are you calling from? So I'm actually calling from Chicago, where I think it's like negative 25 degrees with the wind chill today. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> have brutal. had some of that cold, but it, do you have blue sky today? We do. It's the trade-off. Yes. It's either gray yes. skies and above zero or sunny and below zero. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a winter to remember for all of us. I think it has been a challenge. Well, that's good because if you have blue sky, that means tomorrow we'll still have blue sky because what you have good. today we'll have tomorrow. <laughs> um, well, Liz, after your uh, deployment in, in when you returned, I know you've used the expression post-traumatic growth. Now, did that come from inner strength that makes you you or did that come through great angst and tough experiences. Yeah, so I think this this theme, you know, we talk a lot about post-traumatic stress in the Mm -hmm. veterans community, um, and it is certainly um, a real thing that many people struggle with, but I think at the same time there is a positive aspect to um, sort of traumatic experiences that give us an opportunity to test our mettle and to demonstrate that we are strong people to learn from our experiences. Um, and in my case, you know, I, I returned home from deployments um, early in the war. So in 2004 was my first time, the first time I came back from a deployment. And mm. it was a very quick turnaround. I mean, I found myself sitting in classes at the University of Wisconsin just a few days after I returned home. And mm. it was like whiplash in a lot of ways. And as I met other veterans, I learned so many of them had been through these really, really Um, tremendous traumatic experiences where they lost Mm -hmm. friends, where they, you know, were injured, where they questioned their morality, and they were all wrestling with this. Um, But Mm -hmm. what I saw was the strengths that they exhibited through that process that allowed Mm -hmm. them to really discover what life meant to them. And they were able to take those experiences and grow from them tremendously in order to affect you know, positive change and to grow in new directions in their life and new passions were uncovered. And they were able to live life in a way that they, you know, they didn't take it for granted anymore. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think that's something that we don't talk about as often. Or or help sort of fo- focus on that because I think too many times we're trying to worry about what was as opposed to looking at channeling some of that energy and what can be. And that seems to be mm-hmm. what you're saying is is trying to focus on something more positive. And it seems like what your positive was, was your involvement to pass new legislation for the post 9-11 GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I came back, you know, there wasn't, I, it was Wisconsin. So there was no active duty bases in Wisconsin. They were all National Guard bases. So people were coming home and then just being scattered across the state. We didn't have hmm. those military communities that many active duty bases have in the immediate vicinity. Um, and what I found was that, you know, my experience, I got a glimpse of sort of how terrible um, war can be. I volunteered in a combat trauma hospital during my deployments. I worked in a pretty aggressive maintenance field. I kind of got a, a glimpse of that, but I didn't go outside the wire. And I had lots of friends who, you know, did convoy duty and were constantly, you know, living under the threat of danger outside um, patrolling streets. And um, what I saw was that I could identify with those um, experiences, but I, they weren't my experiences. And I was, I felt that I was 
able and ready to work on behalf of veterans, mm-hmm. um, whereas many of my friends that had tougher situations were not ready to jump back in. Um, they needed to take some more time, and they needed to reckon with that. And so I felt like I was uniquely positioned to be able to advocate on behalf of other folks. Um, and so I got really involved just on my campus level with working to make, you know, Wisconsin a, a more friendly, understanding community for veterans, which eventually translated into ultimately moving to D.C. to try to help pass the post-9-11 GI Bill, um, which, you know, we, we had a dedicated team of veteran advocates from many different veterans organizations working with some supporters on Capitol Hill and and ultimately got that legislation passed in 2008, which has provided billions of dollars in higher education support for veterans and families. That's remarkable. Now, just as a point of perspective, why was passing this legislation so important? What had veterans been challenged with prior to this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, the, the education benefit that we were looking at in 2004, 2005, 2006, that was a Cold War era education benefit. It wasn't designed Mm -hmm. to pay for all of college. When the GI Mm -hmm. Bill was originally passed in World War II, it was designed to give folks a very clean transitional step from Mm -hmm. the military, from World War II, into education back into civilian life. And as, you know, military force and military action changed over the years and as we had a largely peacetime military force, um, the benefit was sort of changed to reflect that peacetime sacrifice. But then we started using the military not in a peacetime way anymore, but the benefit didn't change to reflect what we were asking of people. So it was important, you know, we were asking people to step away from their families, from their lives, from their jobs, Mm -hmm. from school, um, you know, for years and and not giving them access to education. And so this benefit was very important to reflect what we were asking of our military service members. Hmm, very much so. And their families. Yeah, yeah. Now, was all of what you did in uh, creating the background for this legislation what introduced you to the Pat Tillman Foundation, or how had you become familiar with them? Yeah, absolutely. So during my time in D.C., I worked a lot in higher education and with veterans in particular. So working with college campuses, working with um, veteran students, that was kind of the area that I worked in 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 D.C. And um, that's when I crossed paths with the Pat Tillman Foundation. So actually, my predecessor, who I'm I'm great friends with, um, Mm -hmm. came into my office and had a meeting with me about D.C. and higher education and veterans, and I learned about what the Pat Tillman Foundation was doing, and I thought it was fascinating and really, really needed because the GI Bill, while it does cover, you know, undergraduate tuition um, for public schools, it doesn't cover everything. So if you're going into a specialized degree, if you're going to a private school, Mm. uh, master's degree, you know, it, it is a generous benefit, but it doesn't always cover those additional elements of education that some people need to do oh, what they yeah. want to do. Sure. Um, so once I learned that, I was also thinking about um, going back to school. And so ultimately I decided to get a master's degree to continue my work with veterans and kind of on a whim decided to apply for the scholarship, mainly because I really loved um, the mission and the vision behind the Pat Tillman Foundation. I wanted to be part of that group. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Now, for those who may not know, who was Pat Tillman? So Pat um, Pat Tillman was a professional um, football player. He played for the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, 
did his undergraduate at ASU, Arizona State University, where he's a standout um, college football player. And after September 11th, um, you know, he really evaluated who he was and what he was doing and decided that he wanted to step away from the NFL and join the Army after September 11th. And so he, he joined the Army, became an Army Ranger, um, and unfortunately he was killed in action in 2004 in Afghanistan. And that's what most people know about Pat. Um, they okay. know that he walked away from the NFL and he was killed in Afghanistan. But what people don't know about him was that he was, you know, a really avid learner, that he loved learning, he loved reading, he thought education was very important. He enrolled in um, history classes at Arizona State University while he was playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so as the foundation sort of created the program that I now work for, it made a lot of sense um, to create a program focused on education and veterans to help carry on Pat's legacy. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was going to ask was of all of the things that a family could do to uh, to carry on a legacy or to honor a loved one, a scholarship foundation was what their fa his family chose. Yeah, and I think when they sat back and looked about, um, they looked at what Pat really valued, education was at the top of the list. Um, and so as they thought about more about what that meant, they looked at, you know, what needs do veterans have coming home? Do they need more help with their education? And they looked at the GI Bill, and they realized, yeah, it's a great benefit. It's very, um, very generous. But at the same time, there's many veterans who are getting medical degrees or law degrees, policy degrees, that are walking out of grad school or undergrad schools at great, great colleges that are saddled with student debt. And so there was still a need that could be filled by the foundation. And so they created a scholarship program to meet that financial need, but also like it was very centered around people who um, were dedicated to carrying service beyond the military uniform. And so as they thought about what that meant, they decided to select 60 every year um, mm -hmm. who not only are, are in higher education, but who want to have a positive impact on society. And indeed, this has been now how many years um, the, so the, Tillman. the Tillman Scholars, yep. So the Tillman Scholars Program, the foundation was created in 2004, um, and there's a program at Arizona State University that is also focused on education, and there's the Tillman Scholars Program, which was founded a few years later in 2008. So oh, we're about to start our seventh class of Tillman oh. Scholars. That's remarkable. We want to direct you to visit pattillmanfoundation.org for lots more information about Pat Tillman, his legacy, and the foundation in his honor that is providing these scholarships. Uh, before we head out to break, I just thought that I would share on this day in history, in 1822, Boston, Massachusetts was incorporated as a city. So happy birthday, Boston, in the snow. <laughs> in 1940, Walt Disney released the movie Pinocchio. Tokyo, 1945, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up, the infamous raising of the U.S. flag on Iwo Jima. And speaking of the Marines, in 1979, Frank Peterson Jr. was named the first black general in the Marine Corps. And it was this date in 1997, scientists in Scotland announced they succeeded in cloning an adult mammal named Dolly, the lamb named Dolly. So hello, Dolly. In 1997. We'll be back with Liz O'Haran from the Pat Tillman Foundation in just a moment. 
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today. Sandra Beck has the day off, but she'll be back with us next week. If you've missed any part of today's show or any of our more than 200 hours of military and family-friendly programming, visit us at militarymomtalkradio.com. You can also find us at iTunes. All episodes are free to download, and you can always find us right here on the Toganet Network. That's T. O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. Today we're here with Liz O'Haran, the program director for the Pat Tillman Foundation, whose mission is to invest in military veterans and their spouses through academic scholarships, building a diverse community of leaders committed to service to others. And Liz, isn't that 
part of the uh, operative words there, committed to service to others, you were saying that that was part of the criteria for these scholarships is not just engaging in the process of learning, but how to give back beyond. Um, You are a Tillman Scholar. Take us through that application process. Sure. So it's... um a fairly rigorous application process. We are really looking for folks who are committed to this idea of, you know, service beyond yourself, service after the military uniform, or in the case of spouses, service, you know, beyond their commitment to the military community. Many of them, many spouses are engaged in so many ways beyond supporting just their service member, and we recognize um, we recognize that service and that effort and that commitment, and we want to honor it through our scholarships. Um, so it is a rigorous application process. It takes a little bit of time um, to fill out. There are several different components we ask for, um, but in the end, it's really worth it if um, the applicant is able to become one of those 60 scholarship recipients. Um, so we look for a couple of essay questions about um, your goals, what you would like to accomplish, how your degree will help you get there, um, and how you intend for your career to make a positive impact in society, whether it be locally, um, in the military community, um, outside of the military community, nationally, even globally. We have scholars that are working, um, we have scholars that have worked on Ebola and Africa, have worked all over the country on on clean water um, supply. We have a poet who works frequently in Afghanistan. So it's it's really service is a very, very um, open definition, but it's about be working beyond yourself and working to make the world a better place. And those are the folks um, we look to invest in through our scholarship. So it's not just a financial gift. It's, it's much more than a scholarship in our view. And we really um, have a rigorous application process to find those 60 people every year. Mm, well, congratulations for having been one of them. How many applicants do you get in a year? So, so we we open up the application process um, once a year. It's open for about a month, and mm-hmm. so there's actually one week left in the application process. It will close next Tuesday, um, March 3rd at midnight Pacific time is when the deadline will close for this coming academic year, 2015 to 2016 academic year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But we uh, last year we actually had um, 2,500 applicants, and from the 2,500 we selected 60. So it is um, oh my gosh a rigorous I, process. I don't envy you. <laughs> it and it's happened. not an easy decision. <laughs> I know my husband had uh, served on a high school scholarship. Um, a board to have to evaluate high school applicants and just that in and of itself was so difficult because there were so many uh, you really have to look at each one objectively and and be able to gauge that uh, value it's it's incredibly difficult I can only imagine on this level um, how difficult that must be how how long does it take you to call through 2,500 applicants to bring it down to 60 awardees so it takes the scholarship closes on March 3rd and actually takes us about two months to go through all the applications and we rely very heavily on um, a number of folks, business leaders, military leaders, friends of the, friends and family of the foundation, um, military veterans, non-military veterans, as part of um, our selection committees, which are actually all over the country. And so we rely very heavily on a lot of folks to provide a diverse perspective on the reviewer side so that we can really bring in folks that 
represent a very broad group um, of folks that are committed to this idea of service. Unbelievable. Um, And I would assume that this is unique, that uh, veterans' spouses are uh, able to apply for this. Is that correct? Absolutely. And including spouses, including um, surviving spouses. And so I think when you think about how the foundation started, um, mm-hmm. so Pat Pat was married when he was killed, um, and his wife, Marie, is our president and co-founder of the foundation. And she is and the family of, the, of Pat Tillman have been able to take, you know, what was really a very, you know, a very tragic, um, terrible circumstance and turn it into something that is helping many veterans and their spouses around the country. And so when you think about Marie's um, dedication to the foundation and the strength of military spouses for the last, you know, decade, almost 12 years now of war, um, mm. we want to recognize that commitment and that service. And so spouses are um, – considered right next to the military veterans in terms of their goals and their service and their um, the positive impact that they want to have. We have spouses working, you know, in military communities. We have spouses looking to transform charter school networks, um, really doing interesting things in, in all different areas. So we, we love our military spouses. Mm, that's just incredible. I'm assuming this is uh, all military. So do you have a breakdown as far as um, recipients, as far as their branches of service? Uh, Does it cover Mm -hmm. all branches? So it does cover all branches to include the Coast Guard. And um, we uh, we allow for veterans that have served before post-9-11, the post, I'm sorry, before September 11th era. So folks that served before September 11th are also considered. but it's really, um, you know, we're Army heavy just because we have more applications come in from the Army. Actually, the the scholar pool, um, the folks that are actually selected as scholars, are pretty representative of the applicants. Um, uh-huh. So our, our selection committees are set up so that most of that bias gets filtered out, and actually the scholarship recipients are pretty much mirror the applicants. Um, and so we we end up with roughly 45% Army, and then the rest is split fairly evenly, uh, with Coast well, Guard being a little bit smaller. Then let's get some Marines, Air Force, Navy, and Coast Guard out there to apply. We need to balance this out, don't we? <laughs> we do um, love, we love our Army folks, but we definitely yeah. um, love to get the word out in other communities about the scholarship. Sure things. Now, um, you are... Um, representative of different institutions, both private and public. Uh, What levels of education have you seen um, these recipients apply their scholarships toward? Mm -hmm. So our criteria is that folks must be pursuing at least a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And so beyond that, it's been the gamut. So a bachelor's degree up through PhD in American literature or medical degrees, law degrees, policy degrees, um, biomechanical engineering. Um, it, it spans it, anything you could think of. Um, a lot of that has been represented in the scholar group. Really what we look for is, is the scholarship um, the scholar applicants have sort of a very clear idea of what they want to do with their education in order to help make an impact. And those are the folks that end up, whatever level of education they're pursuing, those are the folks who end up really standing out in the process. Hmm. It's fascinating. And as I say, I, I must, uh, you must have an incredible job when you sit down with those applications. Is there one element of an applicant um, or an application 
that maybe people don't think is as weighed as heavily as it is. I know what we experienced even just at the high school level, but do you, do you find that there are some areas that people are not um, applying to in their application that they should be? I don't know if I worded that quite the way I was trying to get it out. I, I, I know that sometimes community service, for example, on the high school level is not um, always worded in their application, which, of course, is very heavy in our analysis. So are there things mm-hmm. that candidates forget or don't put um, as, as much weight in that you would rather see? Yeah, so I think... Um You know, we certainly look at military service, but that is only one aspect of what we evaluate candidates on. Um, Mm. And so really what we we look for is folks that are committed to this idea of service beyond themselves. And that's Mm -hmm. exemplified through um, engagement in communities, um, a history of service outside of the, you know, what was required of you. So many military members have given so much um, as part of their military service. And I think the folks that end up standing out a little bit more, folks that have showed what else they have contributed to while they're also doing that significant commitment. Um, Those are the folks that end up in such a competitive process, end up standing out a little bit more. It's the folks that also can clearly articulate the goal that they want to accomplish and how their degree is going to help them get there. And so they also, you know, we understand that not everybody has had um, wonderful opportunities throughout their life. And so we also look for drive and determination and potential and, and people who have maybe had really difficult circumstances handed to them in life, but have been able to do a lot with a little. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, we're saying current spouses, veterans, and um, surviving spouses can apply to the Tillman Scholarship uh, Fund. What about your recommendations for military children? And we just have a minute to go before the break. Sure. So there are um, a number of organizations that do give scholarships to military children. I'd recommend looking at um, Fisher House Foundation. There's an organization called No Greater Sacrifice. Um, children of fallen patriots, those are scholarships dedicated to wounded or fallen um, um, service men- member children. There's also the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation, which gives scholarships um, to dependents of Marine Corps. Um, and we also are open to active duty service members, which is an important point I didn't clarify earlier, um, both folks that are still serving on active duty as well as people who have separated from the military. Wonderful. We remind everyone that the application to join the seventh class of the Tillman Scholars will close on March 3rd, 2015 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. We urge you to visit pattillmanfoundation.org slash scholarship for more information. Stay with us. More with Liz O'Haran on the other side of the break. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's Does your spouse or mate have any habits that drive you crazy? Psychology Today magazine reports that it's often the pettiest of issues that can tear a couple apart. Now, I don't consider myself a microlipid. That's a person totally bothered by trifles. But I will admit my husband has a few habits I wish he didn't. But then, don't we all? I admit one of my most annoying habits is I tend to interrupt others while they're trying to speak. In fact, I'm so adroit, I even interrupt myself. What's a word for a person who constantly interrupts others in conversation? An embuggerist. I suppose if we never annoyed our spouses once in a while, the relationship might get boring. What's another word for a boring person? A whopstraw. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. We'll put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list, and the Statue of Liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. Robin Boyd here with you while Sandra Beck is away. And our guest today is Liz O'Haran from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Now, Liz, with all of these scholarships, um, there must be a tremendous effort each year to provide for these scholarships. How does um, the Pat Tillman Foundation provide these scholarships? I um, want to ask you about Team Tillman and the Pat's Run. Yeah, so we um, we fundraise for our scholarships throughout the year. We fund them through grants, individual giving, sponsorships. Um, but our two sort of one of our you know flagship programs are is Team Tillman, which is where we ask folks to run marathons. Um, we have reserve slots on the Chicago Marathon as well as the New York City Marathon. But then we also allow folks to participate. Um, in runs all over the country. I actually did the Marine Corps Marathon as part of Team Tillman and committed to raising a certain amount of money for the Pat Tillman Foundation um, and was able to participate on the team that way. And then we have Pat's Run, which is our flagship event um, every year. It's held in Tempe, Arizona. It is 30,000 folks. We have a kids run. We have thousands oh of gosh. volunteers. We crossed the, it's a 4.2 mile fun run and the the finish line is actually on the 42-yard line of the Arizona State University Sun Devil Stadium. So oh, it's a great wow. family event. 
Um, it's, it's a blast to be a part of. Many people walk, many people run, people have strollers. There's a 0.42 mile kids run. So it's a really great, um, event for the whole family. And then we also, as part of the Pat's run, we actually have shadow runs across the country for people that aren't able to make it to Tempe, um, to participate. They're held at the same time as Pat's run, which this year is April 25th. Um, and those runs, those shadow runs are actually held in 30 cities across the country. So if oh, you go to patsonlandfoundation.org and then mm-hmm. look at Pat's run, you can see if there will be a run in your city. That sounds fantastic. I love the phrase, every finish line is a starting line. That says it all right there, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's people um, that come from all over the country to participate in Pat's Run every year. It really is um, a reunion for people to see folks that they don't see that often anymore. Everybody kind of comes out for Pat's Run. It's a really great event. Now, these shadow runs, can anybody just uh, decide to do their own run? Is there uh, a kit or something that's available for people to start their own? So at, on our website, we have the list of the 30 cities um, where I Pat's see. Run shadow runs are actually being held. And then okay. if running in your own neighborhood is something that you would like to do, there's actually, um, you can click that link, um, and we ask that everybody, you know, has the registration fee, and then you receive a T-shirt in the mail as part of Pat's Run. But you can also sign up to run in your own in your own town, in your own neighborhood as part of Pat's Run. Or if you're interested in starting Pat's Run as a shadow run in your um, city, you can also let us know about that as well. That sounds so interesting. Um, what about corporate sponsorships or other ways that people could donate if they say aren't a runner in uh, in particular, but they want to help the the fund? How do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So we rely on corporate sponsors, um, grants, and individual giving. So there's ways you can also donate um, through the website just as an individual, or if you you think your company might be interested in in-kind donations or in sponsorship, we have a series of events throughout the year that we do um, look for sponsorship for. We have um, Pines for Pat, which is an event we have in Tempe and in Chicago um, centered around sort of getting everybody together to cheers to Pat. Um, so we have events that take place throughout around the year that we do look for sponsorships for. Um, and we also, you know, look for in-kind giving to help support the scholars um, through items that might be useful for their studies, you know, book codes to buy, um, textbooks online, or items that might be helpful to them um, in their studies. So there's always opportunities for corporate sponsors to also get involved. How interesting. Now, you say the one in Tempe is on April 25th. So can people come and cheer on the runners and be a part of it that way? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, um, really, it's a huge part of Tempe. Um, it's right near the Arizona State University campus. The run goes through campus, goes around, um, and then finishes in Sun Devil Stadium. So there's there's lots of room to cheer on the on the race course. Um, it does shut down a little bit of traffic in that area, but it's a <laughs> really great family event. Um, there's a, a race expo at the end, and then um, you know Mill Street, which is one of the main South Mill Street, which is one of the main areas right near the run, is filled with people who have you know been to the run and are having fun afterwards. Oh, it sounds so fun. Now, you say there is still time to um, sign up if you do want to be a runner? Absolutely. So we have sold out in the past. Um, the registration is open until it's closed. Um, so I would encourage, and I believe the, the price of the run does go up in March. So I would highly recommend if you're interested in coming, um, sign up today on the website and, and we'd love to see you out on the race course. 
that would be wonderful. Now, Liz, before the hour comes to a close, um, I would like for you to tell us what is currently at the National Veterans Art Museum in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the National Veterans Art Museum uh, it has an exhibit right now, um, uh, artist by the name of Matt Mitchell painted 100 portraits of people who have served in Iraq and Afghanistan and asked them to submit a statement to accompany their portrait that he painted. And um, I believe that's on display through May. And it's a wonderful exhibit. And um, Matt, the painter, is just uh, not a veteran, a civilian who was really moved by the sacrifices of veterans and service members and family members and um, has, has dedicated almost 10 years to painting these portraits. This is phenomenal, and I have to tell you, I get teary-eyed looking through this website. I just went through the gallery, and I found it to be so emotional. Um, you were a part of this? Yeah, so years ago, um, I think in 2000, 2010, um, mm-hmm. I was referred uh, by a friend to have my portrait painted by Matt, Matt Mitchell, so I met him um, in D.C., and uh, he painted my portrait for a couple hours, which is never something that I thought I would ever experience. <laughs> it was definitely an interesting experience. Um, it was somewhat therapeutic, actually, to have someone, you know, painting you and studying you and, and talking to you about your experience. It was a really fascinating, um, fascinating experience. But uh, I did that several years ago, and, and he just recently finished uh, the 100th portrait. So if you go to nvam, nvam.org, um, that's the National Veterans Art Museum, and I believe that's on display through the end of May. I can only imagine it must have been somewhat cathartic in that um, it was definitely a look back and almost encapsulates a part of your life in such a unique way. Yeah, the fact that he um, thought to include statements from um, the folks in the portraits was really a powerful decision. Um, you look at some of the portraits and, you know, then you read their statement and you think, wow, I did not expect that person to say that. They didn't look like what I thought a person mm-hmm. working in that field would, would say. Um, so it's really an interesting, um, an interesting project and very meaningful and moving. I thought it was very moving, and um, I encourage everybody to visit there because it's another perspective. And I think uh, especially young women who are considering uh, serving their country through the military, it is, it's valuable because it is real. It is honest. It is from hearts of those who have been there. And I found it very, very inspiring. It was emotional, but very inspiring. So I'm so glad you were part of that. Yeah, I'm happy to have been a part of it. Very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to some of those young people who are just graduating and considering um, serving in the military? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the military, I look back on my military experience and, you know, it, you know, they say it was the best of times is the worst of times. And I think <laughs> that's, that's very true in a lot of ways. I mean, there are times when, um, and I think most veterans can identify with this, where you really, you know, hated your current situation, your current circumstances, or, you know, you really learned a hard lesson or experienced something really terrible. And then there were the days where you really experienced um, 
the real beauty of what it means to serve with other people in the name of something much bigger than yourself. Um, and so I think, you know, there's nothing I would change about my military service, and um, I'm very proud of it, um, and I think I learned invaluable lessons about what it means to be part of something bigger than myself. And so I think if that's something that sounds um, appealing and interesting to definitely definitely check it out, but educate yourself on what you're looking for, what branch might be the right fit for you, what career field might be the best option for you, and really um, – you know, make sure that it's a fit for what you hope to do for the next four to five to six to 10 to 20 years. Um, and it can provide you with tremendous opportunities um, in the future. The veteran, veteran network across the country is so strong. Um, and I think it's, it's really a valuable resource to be able to connect with other veterans across the country. Um, we tend to really help each other out when we can. So I think it's something that is worth um, the name of service to our country, I think, is something worth examining as as we kind of hit that point in our life when we're trying to decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. As is the military family, and as we have heard and seen and lived with a lot of our military spouses, our military children, um, it is a strong network, and it is a very unique network, and um, we are very, very grateful for you and for all who have served. Liz, this has been an outstanding hour with you. It's such a pleasure to have met you. Thank you uh, for your service, for your awareness of the need to assist military veterans and spouses in advancing their education and how valuable that investment is to our country. Liz, thanks so very much. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Mm. We want to remind you to please visit the org for more information and how you can get involved. Remember that scholarship is closing on March 3rd, so if in fact you are considering to be a Tillman Scholar applicant, you need to do that very readily. Join us next week when Sandra and I will welcome Carrie Vitt from the company called Deliciously Organic. You won't want to miss it. Be warm, be well. We hope all of you will tune in next week right here on Military Mom Talk Radio. And don't forget, we're always on iTunes wherever you are, even shoveling the snow. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Stay warm.